How's it going everybody and welcome to episode 135 of Master My Garden Podcast. Now this week's episode I'm looking forward to, I've been trying to link it up for a while and it's with Rory Newell from Forest Moon Plants. Now Forest Moon Plants is quite a new nursery and we're going to hear all about it in the, in the next little while. Um, but Rory himself is a, a really well respected gardener but also he'd be seen to be a bit of a master in propagation so we're definitely going to delve into that. Uh, forest moon plants as i say are quite a young and, and new nursery but their their tagline is growers of botanically interesting plants so that in itself is interesting as the as the name says so we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit as well but we're going to center it mostly around plant propagation um so rory you're very very welcome to master my garden podcast how are you john how are you, how are you getting on thanks for having me thanks very much and all good on this side yeah um yeah there's there's lots to talk about firstly uh, i know the nursery is kind of ramping up over the last kind of two years uh so congratulations with that firstly because i know it has been in the pipeline you've been doing the the background propagation for a while so just tell us a bit about forest moon plants and obviously your as i say your tagline growers of botanically interesting plants so it's not your run-of-the-mill it's not your run-of-the-mill type plants that you're growing it's 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 slightly more interesting uh plants so tell us all about it and as i say exciting to see a new nursery like this coming so let's hear all about forest moon plants yeah, well, um, cheers, John. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, as you said, it's been it's nearly three years now since we, we kind of really started at it, but um, it was always boiling in the back of my brain um, to uh, get my own nursery going because of my interest in plants and wanted to learn about how they grow and kind of just to get to know plants more intimately, I just thought, well, growing them was the best way. And I, I'm fanatical about plants. I love looking at them intricately and uh, in detail and there's no better way to learn about plants than kind of growing them from seed or cuttings uh, yourself so that was kind of the 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 backbone of trying to get the nursery going I suppose you know it was my own interest in plants and um, I suppose being self-employed was a big part of that too and uh, before that I'd been working quite a distance away from home so it was all about getting home as well at the same time okay and yeah Typically out here in the West, you know, that there, people might be upset to hear, but like there, there's not an awful lot going on horticulturally. Yeah. So I knew coming back that I, I would have to kind of try and set something up that would tick all those boxes for me. And uh, the nursery was kind of a no brainer and it was always kind of in my mind to do it. So that's basically the, the kind of background on the nursery, I suppose. Yeah. So you're, you're looking to get back home. I know you have a young family and all that. So. It's it's to get back to uh, well I, I guess a more relaxed lifestyle that suits you and and I suppose have your your day job fit in around that as well. Yeah, well I, I don't know about relaxed. I know you do a bit of propagation yourself and you're busy in the garden and uh, there's never really any time. But you know yeah. you, you have to make time for relaxing and family and all the rest. But um, you're you're pretty much signing up for, you're signing your life away when you go into this business you know it's it's a it's a busy game and there's no real let up and anyone who tells you they're not kind of busy is kind of lying probably because <laughs> even in the winter we're we're busy kind of planning and yeah you're I'm always you're, yeah, you're always working for the future as well of course you're yeah, you're, yeah. Pla- you're planning ahead yeah. um exactly, yeah. Tell us about so west of Ireland uh, so I know you're you're in the Galway area and uh, you know you're growing botanically interesting plants as your, as your website says so what is it what type of plants are we looking at kind of rare stuff is it uh, or is it, it or is it ones that are not not necessarily rare but are just very interesting and, and tell us about some of what you're doing and i know 
we get into propagation because you know from from what i can see and you tend to propagate stuff that's quite difficult to propagate and you seem to enjoy the i suppose the challenge of getting things to propagate so it'll be interesting to hear about that and the types of plants I uh, definitely, I, I certainly love getting things that are probably on the more tricky side. But um, I suppose to address uh, a couple of little things there, you know, like the the whole botanically interesting moniker, um, you know, the rare and unusual thing gets bandied about a lot. And yeah. um, the thing about that is, yes, we we are we are growing those plants, and um, I suppose there is an emphasis on plants that are rare and unusual or what I would call botanically interesting more for, for my, for my kind of, uh, um, for chicken boxes for myself, it'd be more botanically interesting bo- uh, plants. But, yeah. um, we don't, we don't rule out the stalwarts, you know, um, especially in this early stage of the nursery, because, you know, we have, I'm a massive fan of perennials. I, I'm broadly interested in plants. Um, but I suppose I lean a bit more towards woody stuff. But I absolutely love perennials, and I, in particular, love Asiatic perennials. So, and within that, then I probably gravitate towards things that grow in shade or in woodland situations. Okay. But I, I don't pigeonhole myself on anything. Um, the perennials are great because they're like bread and butter. You know, they're kind of quick and easy-ish in most cases to propagate. So they're they're kind of providing me that um, material that I can kind of sell on the nursery yeah. while I'm waiting for the more tricky stuff to come along. So the woody stuff just does take that little bit longer to do. But as we go on, we we, we will produce uh, both woody and perennial plants. Um, we're, we're not going to kind of, we are going to specialize um, and I'm not holding the cards close to my chest too much. Uh, I have a few ideas in my head. Rhododendrons, magnolias and such would be kind of high priority there for me nice. um but um we 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 just we probably call ourselves specialist growers for a while until we figure out what exactly uh, we really want to specialize in sometimes i think that can kind of just uh accidentally happen as well so we yeah see you, how that develops yeah you leave yourself open and then you know certain trends or or, or, or things can get you to pivot in a certain direction but uh, listening to that, uh, rhododendrons and magnolias, for sure, I would think, uh, from an Irish perspective, will be interesting because I don't know that there's just that many people growing them. Um, you know, at you know, especially a range. Obviously, you can go to a garden center and buy those plants, but you know, a range or maybe sort of some different ones that people might have been previously used to, as we said before we started recording, previously used to maybe buying them in from the UK. Um, yeah. So yeah, to have somebody here propagating them that would be really good and hopefully that works out well uh we we hadn't intended to talk about this but you've just mentioned that one of your you know one of the areas that you really like is uh, sort of shaded plants uh, or plants yeah. for shaded areas maybe just tell us about some of your, your you know your top ones there or your stalwarts as you as you mentioned in relation to the to the perennials yeah and um, i i suppose like like we, we've got a massive collection of uh, plants for shade here in the garden, mostly uh, a lot of the, the garden plants are actually mother stock um, yeah. for the nursery, so it works out really well from that point of view. But over time, we will actually move mother stock onto the nursery itself. But for now, I have this um, larder out the back of the house, and I, I can pick and choose what I want uh, from there and propagate that. 
we, I, I really love a lot, a lot of the Asiatics, like I said, um, very interested in Diasporums and Diasporopsis, relatively short-flowered woodlanders, you know, they can be evergreen or semi-evergreen or completely deciduous uh, or fully perennial, which would be kind of dying back down to the ground altogether yeah. and disappear for the winter and coming back again in the spring. Um, but a good spread of kind of evergreen and uh, and uh, uh, ones that go completely dormant. Uh, I really love the diasporums. I absolutely love them. Um, it, I really, really had a big passion going back a long while for primulas. And, yeah. and a lot of the Asiatic primulas are just fantastic, absolutely beautiful. You know, we'd be going between not necessarily fully shady plants all the time either. You know, sometimes they're alpine. Um, but a lot of shady ones as well. I, I absolutely love the primulas and everything in that family. Uh, and that really comes, I suppose, stems way back to a kind of a love for our own native ones, you know, like so the, the Bulgaris and, you know, the Beris and all those ones are cowslips, native cowslips. And, yeah. um, you know, Good. so the, the primula thing kind of goes back a long time for me and it started with our own natives. Yeah, the primitives are brilliant and, and they do get a little bit overlooked and I think a little bit, um, I think a little bit misunderstood as well. You know, if, if you go into a, you know, a big garden center as such, sometimes the primulas you're, you're thinking of bedding plants, whereas there's a whole raft of really hardy, resilient, interesting flowering yeah. primulas that are, as you said, suitable for a good few locations, but a lot of the time suitable for woodland and, uh, Really nice flower on them and very resilient and tough. So they get they do get overlooked exactly. a little bit. Well, one thing um, I did mean to touch on with you there, I suppose it, it kind of goes back to the whole thing of plants which are botanically interesting. One of the things that I, I'm really very interested in is growing just species. So I'm, I'm not so interested in doing cultivars or anything like that. Yeah. And, you know, so we're, we're kind of... In particular, going back with the rhododendrons as well, I, I want to do straight species and the magnolias. Uh, they, they, I don't really at the moment have any interest in growing fancy cultivars or, or paying for uh, PBRs on certain plants. I, I'd like to bring the focus back to the originals, I suppose is a simple way to put it. Um, you know, the things that you would typically see in botanical gardens and, yeah. and big collections you know so that 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 would be the the kind of direction i'd like to go with the nursery so um, plants with a long heritage garden. essentially you're talking about you know rather than newer bread yeah. varieties you're talking about something with a bit of heritage a bit of history bit a bit of heritage bit of history and and kind of just just more scientifically interesting you know um, yeah. and then possibly things that we could we could start working on ourselves to maybe introduce uh, do a bit of cross pollinating and See, can we come up with something interesting ourselves just as a bit of fun? But um, uh, really, really at the moment, like, I, and I can't really see that change. And I, I would love to focus directly on, on straight species uh, across across the board, you know, with everything. Yeah. Um, as I said earlier, you like uh, you seem to like the challenge of, you know, propagating some some maybe of the trickier stuff. So and and I think it's fair to say that propagation is one of your one of your really strong points um you know based on the fact that you're doing that you're doing sort of difficult stuff um but to talk about propagation and i know we're, like we're kind of going to center the episode around that and the type of propagation that you're doing and maybe you could give us you know what you are doing in terms of propagation and the plants that you're using and the methods and so on but also then because some of that is you know some of that is quite tricky and quite advanced maybe give us some you know, things that people could actually do really simply in their own gardens. And I know I've covered, 
you know cuttings and and that sort of thing before but maybe from from your perspective there might be some new angles on that so tell us about what you're currently doing propagation wise yeah certainly um i i think uh, a lot of people and a lot of the time they're kind of worried about about taking on a bit of propagation or experimenting with things or, or trying something new like generally speaking i'm, I'm coming from a, a background of having the general training uh, like most horticulturists coming out of uh, any college or university across the country and you know it's really down to you after that you, you kind of have to educate yourself in a lot of ways because you know we're only you're only as good as the person that came before you really and like you know you're standing on the shoulders of giants and you're 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 kind of reading through their manuals and yeah. textbooks and etc but what i would say to people is as well is don't be afraid to try something new i i will often look at plants and, and kind of go that looks like it would be you know a, ca- a good candidate for x y or z or to try x y or z and you know i've often gone into manuals and not been able to find any information on certain plants that would would kind of suggest you could do it a certain way. So, like, I will often, you know, just um, uh, either take a technique, a, a known technique, and try and kind of improve it somewhere myself or uh, apply it to a plant that doesn't necessarily kind of... You, that's, it's not in any textbook that it would be a candidate for this type of propagation or anything like that. So I, I think the biggest thing to take away from what I'm just saying now is not to be afraid to try because yeah. like plants are very resilient, you know, and you get lots of material and, you know, if you get a hundred cuttings and you know it's something that has a really good strike rate percentage, uh, something in around the 80%, you know, take X amount of that and kind of try something new with it and don't be afraid to, because I, I, I've found, I, I've had a lot of success, success this way and, you know, keep your notes and, um, kind of, like I said, don't be afraid to try it anyways, but try, try the, try the, tried and tested stuff first but if you have a little bit more extra material kind of go i'll have a go at this just for example like you know um recently um i was doing um iris uh, confusa okay which is that great big iris it, it almost forms almost like a bamboo like stem and then a great big fan of, of foliage and lovely white flowers and there's an even nicer one called martin ricks which is a lovely cultivar a slightly bluier you're just washed a bit with blue um, in the flower itself. But um, I've been taking cuttings from the stems of that and um, they, 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 they root quite, quite well, you know. Um, but then I was looking at it, I was going, like everywhere I could see a node, and what a node is is basically where a leaf would emerge yeah. uh, for anyone that doesn't know. But like I, I'm taking cuttings now down to kind of two, three centimeters. So maybe a centimeter below that node and a centimeter above, maybe a little bit more than that. And I find that, you know, you can put in those little segments and you will get perfect plants and they come on really very quickly. So, you know, it's a great plant um, if you're a nurseryman like myself and you're trying to kind of boost your stock and get as much out of it as you can, you know. Uh, where you would have been taking kind of standardized cuttings of something like maybe 10 or 15 centimeters yeah. long, typically, you know, you're maybe getting, you're maybe getting seven or eight times more cuttings out of this. And, you know, that's seven or eight more times plants than you would normally have. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it don't, don't be afraid to try things, you know, and you, you'll, you'll discover stuff by mistake and, uh, just jot them down. I, one of my biggest things I could tell anyone as well is just to always have a notebook handy and always write these little discoveries down for yourself. Um, because, you know, you will find you'll make so many of them on your nursery. 
that you'll actually end up forgetting some and then you'll be like, oh, what way did I do this or whatever? <laughs> just to be able to leaf back through your notebook and kind of go back to that information and be able to pull from that and kind of repeat it. And that's definitely something that people should do. Yeah, that's really interesting that you're, you're taking a cutting that small. So essentially you're, you're taking a cutting, you know, to, in centimetres, you said two centimetres approximately. So like, you know, you're, you're talking less than, you know, less than an inch in, in uh, old measurements. Like that's that's tiny. Like I've, I've rarely, <laughs> if, if I've ever seen cuttings that size, but it I, just, goes I know, to, yeah. just goes to show that, yeah, it, it it's worth experimenting and it's worth trying it and yeah what's the worst that can happen it doesn't it doesn't strike um but yeah it's well, it is and like you know it's important like i suppose cuttings like that would be a little bit uh, the, the probably the, the thing to look out for here is when you take a cutting basically um like you don't really need anything nutritious to root the cutting in we we, we root a lot of cuttings in sand horse culture sand and grit right. And um, it, there, there will be little to no um, nutrient in that at all. Like, you know, that now I might get a bit of compost that's falling onto the bench and that might provide some. But typically speaking, the plant, the plant is pulling from the energy that's within that cutting itself. Mm-hmm. So the more cutting that's there, I would say probably that would, would kind of correlate to the longer maybe a cutting could be left in a nutrient-free kind of setting media. Um, but once it starts coming into active growth, it should be potted on into something more nutritious to kind of keep it going. And I just say, using my logic, with cuttings that are that small, you know, they're probably drawn from a much smaller resource. Yeah. And um, so you probably want to pot them on that bit quicker, uh, whereas something a bit bigger wouldn't need that. But the, 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 the thing is here is that, you know, like we could look at plants and kind of go where I could have maybe got five good cuttings I can get up to 15 maybe now yeah. uh, just taking them from each each just above and below the node and popping it in and they, they root really quickly and they come on quite fast in particular at this time of the year um, for that particular plant the iris confusa yeah um, so in terms of the cutting types just to just to take it back to basics for a second um, just tell us about the the, the the types of cuttings that, that you're taking or that people can take and maybe give some examples of, of plants within that? Yeah, well, I, I think um, a good thing to think about right now is um, if you're looking to kind of increase your perennial stocks, um, it's, it's right now would be a great time to kind of take some cuttings of a lot of perennials. And this way, the plants will have built up enough energy and be sturdy enough to kind of get through the winter. So we'd be taking a lot of cuttings now uh, of different perennials and you know you have different cuttings that you can do you have nodal and internodal cuttings yeah. at this time of the year or well at any time of the year really uh, as applies now to go into plants um, not if every cutting technique applies to every single plant mm-hmm. so I would kind of just look at my plants maybe have a little look at, look up about what the plant is obviously then the cuttings and the techniques that you would apply to that particular plant but um, generally speaking, you know, something about between 10, 15 centimetres long is quite good. You can go a, a good bit shorter even with perennials as well. I, I found, you know, you can, you can get a lot of perennials to root quite freely. And um, again, we're doing them on the sand. And I suppose one of the most important things uh, when you are taking the cuttings is we would water our perennials the night before. Okay. And then we would take our cuttings very early in the morning. Uh, this ensures they're like kind of nice and turgid and they're really healthy coming yeah. out. And um, if you're not going to get around to doing your cutting straight away, 
which is not really recommended, but this is life and life doesn't always go the way you want it. Yeah. Uh, different things will get in the way, you know, the kids need to go to school or the cat needs to be fed or whatever. <laughs> um, so you you should bring a little Ziploc bag around with you and maybe just get your fingers uh, under the tap and flick some moisture inside to the inside of that bag. Yeah. And as you take your cuttings, um, you just seal them in that bag and that will kind of keep them healthy until you can get round to doing it. Now, I would do that anyway, you know, even if you were going to do it almost immediately. Like, you know, we're generally going around the garden taking about an hour out of our day taking the cuttings that we need. So you still would need to bag them at that stage. Yeah. Um, and also to bring your marker with you and mark everything, uh, what it is on the outside of the bag, obviously, is going to be mm-hmm. very helpful when it comes to pot or, or doing, processing the cuttings. Yeah, um, so, you know what you, so you know what you have when, yeah. you're, when you're at it. Um, exactly. So at the moment you're doing lots of perennials. So just give us a couple of examples of perennial cuttings that that you're doing, and also that you know people can do themselves if they, if they're at home. Yeah, um, I suppose like a popular one for people will be the salvias. We're doing quite a lot of salvias now at the moment. Um, yeah. It's kind of our last chance to do them as well. So I want to get them done um, because we're increasing our stock on those. And there's a few small mother plants that I want to increase. Um, so that I'll have them for sale for next year. And that's the beauty of salvia, you know, like all salvias root so quickly, you know, you're talking about yeah. a 100% strike rate, you know, like it, it, it would be unusual if, if you didn't have salvias rooting for you easily. Um, there's a plant I'm trying at the moment. Uh, I haven't tried it from cuttings yet. So this is a real real trial, I suppose. It's a, it's a Chalinopsis, um, brilliant woodlander, lovely plant for shade. Lovely, almost like penstemon-like flowers, and right. um, uh, on the kind of a uh, the purpley side, uh, downward, downward facing, uh, absolutely beautiful plant. I've never even and, heard uh, of it. That, yeah, well, ch- chainanthus is great because, like you know, we we often associate a lot of our um, woodlanders with you know the spring, and that that's for the most part very true. Um, but th- this flower is now, you know. Well. So another one that we will be doing that will be flowering quite shortly as well is the uh, Keringashoma. Uh, that's yeah. an absolutely beautiful plant. Uh, it probably doesn't flower as long as, as something like the Chelinopsis, um, but when it does flower, boy, does it flower. It'll, it'll blow you away. It's, it's, a, it's a really good kind of standout plant in the garden. Uh, it gets about maybe two and a half, three foot tall. I've seen it get a bit taller than that. Um, it has these lovely lemon drop kind of flowers and they're almost succulent to the touch as well and very interesting buds just before they break as well so that that's a that's a good plant and we're also taking cuttings of that and that is a really good plant to take cuttings from it'll it'll root in a couple of weeks for you and you any kind of good multi-purpose compost you can root them in you could directly root them into small little liners and uh, you have nice little liner pots ready for one or two litre plants for next year or which I'd recommend getting them on into at least that size before you put them in the garden next year but they, they'll root in a couple of weeks and again you know um, I would probably allow for a little dieback so I'd probably go internodal with those and I'd probably leave at least two bud breaks above that and uh, maybe a, a little bit of space on top again and when we're reducing our cuttings uh, I would take off the lower set of leaves and maybe reduce the top set of leaves by half at least yeah. so I normally cut the leaves in half and that's just to reduce the transpiration of the plant so, yeah, that, so essentially that, you're um, taking off 
bottom leaves yeah. off the cutting and then the top exactly. leaves you're, you're leaving on but you're cutting them in half and that's uh, yeah and i when i'm putting the, the cuttings into the media I'll, I'll go all the way up to the second set of leaves so the, the, the leaves that'll be above ground set okay. and generally what happens is you have higher concentrations of the kind of hormones that are um responsible for rooting would be kind of concentrated around where the nodes are yeah. so that's where you'll get a lot of the the, the breaks uh, for the root the root system and all that kind of stuff so and sometimes even you'll get them kind of break from just under under where we put the, the leaves at the top of the pot uh, so even better again you'll get two sets of root systems and the, the pots will fill out really quickly but you're looking generally or typically speaking about uh, two weeks for rooting in a lot of these perennials in particular this time of year yeah, move them on then in probably a month to six weeks, I guess, is it? Yeah, uh, I, I I would say we're moving into kind of when we get to that time of the year, you probably want to, um, if you're in a colder area, colder, wetter area, like where you are, you're 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 very cold, aren't you? And yeah, it'd be cold enough in Midlands, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know how wet, but... Um, I'd say probably grow them under protection until the spring and then maybe get the let the cool air kind of coming in and let them get rocked a bit and yeah. uh, as the active growth comes on and then you can start slowly introducing them to the outdoors. But um, if you had done it a few weeks ago now already, you probably would have been able to grow them on outdoors. But if you're going to do it any time after this conversation, I'd say maybe hold off yeah. uh, after potting them on until it kind of even up to late April, May, before you start moving them outdoors. Yeah. So you've, you've spoken about some some nice perennials there, uh, some unusual, some I hadn't even heard of. Um, salvia, obviously, most people know that, and that's a very good one. Other ones that you can do at the moment, I know obviously you can you can still do dahlias. Um, pretty much all of the perennials can can be, you yeah. can take cuttings yeah. from now. Yeah, and, and anything, anything that wouldn't be, um, some of these... Uh, perennials might not have let and um, not to get too technical but like almost like a, a pith or they might be hollow on the inside yeah. you know um even some of your woody plants things like that uh, they might not do so well in certain medias like compost and stuff like that i find that kind of stuff roots very freely in in the sandy mix so you know just make sure that whatever moisture is going into your sand that it can escape uh, freely um, these plants will, will will root very handily in, in sands like they just need that sharper drainage yeah so sand or, or use a good bit of perlite or horticultural grit perlite, in, in your yeah, compost yeah, mix but, yeah I, I favor I favor the sand at this time of the year still um rooting cuttings in sand over the winter it's not impossible but it is a lot more tricky and yeah. um, we're like we still root a lot of stuff through the winter obviously your hardwood cuttings and things like that and sand but you need to be careful with your watering uh because the, the sand when it's wet and cold it's not so good you know so mm-hmm. we don't really water very much over the winter months at all in, in the polytunnels yeah yeah um so moving on then onto, I suppose the, back to the nursery a little bit again, um, yeah. and to talk about the botanically interesting. So tell us about. I know you, you've touched on some of them there already, but tell us about the range of plants that you're working on or that you have available at the moment. And I know you've been doing some fairs and probably certain things are cleaned out. Um, and I think I saw were you doing some of the succulents this year a bit? Yeah, yeah, we we do. Um 
funnily enough, the succulents aren't as popular. I think everyone's just gone on holidays. All the young people are gone on holidays, and they were huge, hugely popular or popular with the with the younger crowd. Um, but the the succulents are interesting, and um, a lot of them do quite well from you know leaf cuttings. Um, so some of your listeners may not have known you could do cuttings from leaves at all. But like yeah. you know the, the likes of uh, Echeverius and, and such that they they. That you can do these from leaf cutting. So basically, you're you're just removing the the leaves, um, and you let them callous over. So if you can imagine, so what it, when when you remove the leaf, you can see that it's quite wet around the area, yeah. the wounds. Um, so what you need to do is just let that heal over, um, almost like a, an open wound on a leg or a hand or something that would yeah. scab over, you know. So just let it just let it callous over. And then you can just place them. Um, I just put them in at an angle into my medium. So the, the, the media for this would be another one, be kind of 50 50 uh, compost and grit. And you just get the first kind of couple of centimeters into it at an angle into the, into the media. And in a few weeks, you'll see them, st- it, it will explode, you know, the, the, the points will start coming out and they, they'll rep, or they'll look like mature, tiny miniature mature plants, like very quickly. So that's an interesting, uh, method for propagation if anyone wants to try it. And yeah, when you say you, you leave them to callus over, you so you're, you're, you're cutting off a leaf. Are you li- literally just leaving it sitting on a bench or something to callus over? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I often just leave them around the pot that right. we're actually taking them off. Just for handiness for, for um, ID in as well, because yeah. some of these etcheveries would be various different cultivars or whatever. And uh, they can they can look quite alike at the early stages. So I often leave them in or around the pot that they're that they're from. And uh, within a couple of weeks they'll have calloused over and you can do them you can do them then. But like this is the kind of propagation anyone can do. If you have a windowsill you know, or you're a collector of succulents and you have uh, a number of species that are, are, are um, can work with this method of propagation, the leaf cuttings, uh, try it out because you can intra- you can increase your, your stock like tenfold, twentyfold, hundredfold if you want, you know. It's, and it's a nice, really nice, easy thing to do if you have them and you have a windowsill, you don't need anything special. Yeah, you're not needing a lot of space or anything either then, of course. Yeah. Not, not at all, not at all. Um, and it's a it's great one to get the kids involved with or if anyone has kind of shown any interest in gardening, it's great to get that like kind of boost, you know, where you can see things come on so quickly. And it, it's got that uh, wow factor, I think, for kids, you know, because they can see it. It's the It's got that little bit of amazement. It's like, Jimmy Max, would you look at that? Yeah. Like, you know, it can get it can get people into the into the whole sector, which would be a good thing too. Yeah, and how long are you leaving? So these that you're leaving around the edge of the pot, you're leaving them to callus up for what a couple of days until they dry off, is um, it? Yeah, generally speaking, it doesn't take an awful lot longer. Now they'll often sit there a while longer as well before I get to them. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah, like three four days is fine usually with a lot of them, and um, they, they're well calloused over by then. And um, you know, like you, you can expect to see some results there. Um. Three and four weeks usually um, under the right growing conditions. Perfect. And so then what other plants? So we've we've talked about perennials, the intention to get into magnolias and rhododendrons. Uh, you've talked about the, the woodland stuff. What else? What else are you working on? What else are you growing? Is there anything that's yeah. really stand out that, uh, you know, stand out or int- really interesting for yourself? 
Well, any time I can get my hands on uh, wild-collected plants, uh, it's it's always a, a great opportunity. I'm fortunate enough to have um, a lot of good friends who've, you know, either been away or or have worked in various gardens that would have collections uh, from, say, stuff that was collected previously from the wild or whatever. Now, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's not an easy thing to do, and you can't just go off willy-nilly and do it. You know, you, you need to kind of... Uh, go through all the protocols and all that kind of stuff, and it, it it happens less and less. It's more and more difficult now to do it. But um, I have had great opportunities in the past um, for growing a lot of plants from the Aureliaceae family, in particular Shecklera. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed those. Uh, that was um, a nice, rewarding time um, in my career. Uh, I, I get seed uh, from from plants that are grown all around Ireland, which which I like of these plants that I love as well. So the Scheffler and anything in the Aureliaceae family is, uh, would be high up there. Uh, in terms of difficulty, you know, so it can be hit and miss. Um, you really need to get the best seed, like the fresher the better. Um, and here it's old, you can be, you can you can really just waste a lot of your time sowing a lot of old seed, you know, in particular with, with this uh, group. Um, but the fresher the seed, the, the better. And generally speaking, if you get it nice and fresh, it comes up good handy. And I normally would sow them, sow, sow them around November. And what I do is uh, I put them, we use a lot of Chinese takeaway trays. Uh, now, I don't need a lot of Chinese <laughs> takeaway trays to get them. You can actually go off and buy them, but they... they I go for the deep ones, and, and they work out like little mini propagators, you know, without actually going yeah. out and spending a bomb on little mini propagators. You, you can go out and buy these for, you can go on to Amazon and buy them. Um, I drill holes in the base, and we fill them with our media, and we kind of close them over. Uh, but, but first we broadcast our seed on top, and I leave them outdoors in a kind of unheated uh, ton of um and then as soon as I see the germination start to happen, bring them on, bring them in and put them onto the heat, and they explode them, you know. And um, so they're right. they're they're quite interesting. But like the, in terms of difficulty, um, I think that the most difficult thing is just getting the seed at the right stage. Uh, other than that, they're they're not that tricky. They're just kind of quite interesting to grow. And um, I've received a. Uh, um, Brassiopsis. Um, I we don't know what species it is. Uh, I love that kind of thing. You know, as it develops, we can kind of look at it botanically and, and check it out and try and describe and figure out what it is uh, over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got I've got a Brassiopsis come in. I only got four seed, and out of the four, the mouse got three, and I'm hanging on. To oh one. no! <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, it was lovely field mouse. I couldn't uh, I, I couldn't get too angry. But um, yeah, yeah. The, the one the one that I have is going pretty solid, you know, and uh, I'm looking forward to that to develop. Or, Looking forward for that to see what happens. You know, it'll be nice to kind of just follow the story, I suppose, and and get into the botanics of it and figure out which one it is. Yeah, um, it's it's uh, like we're we've, we're talking for thirty five minutes, and I know we kind of said half an hour, and we could, I'm sure, talk for a long more time. Uh, and I know you mentioned, and I'm not quite sure if you're if you're ready to talk about, but potentially you're going to do a propagation course yourself at some point in time. Is yeah. it too early to to mention it, or is it no, is no, it possibility? No, it's not. No, um, it, I'm hoping that it'll be this August. And like my my idea is actually to kind of try and time it in or around the times where you'd be doing certain types of propagation. Yeah. But um, 
it you know it doesn't necessarily have to be that like I, I think that the, the, the main advantage of doing it that way is that kind of people can kind of follow along with it you know they can kind of do things at the right timings and all that kind of stuff and yeah. we'd focus in but uh, to begin with I, I, I will do a, a basic or a beginner's class and um, that's the plan for the start and then hopefully uh, we get some interest and people might be interested to do more advanced and work out some of the more tricky or intricate propagation techniques um, and go into it in a lot more detail. But um, yeah, I, I would say the courses will be open to anyone who, who I, I think the, the beginners will be open to anyone who's looking to get into it. Maybe the advance will be for people who have already some level of propagation skills, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, Don. I, I do think there'll be a demand for it because there is. It's amazing. Like you spoke about, you know, the the younger gardeners who are not around this year to be buying the the succulents, so to speak. Yeah. But it's amazing. Like over the last couple of years, obviously, it's well documented that because of COVID, there's a lot of new gardeners. But um, there's something there's something I see with them, you know, specifically in relation to propagation, is that a lot of them are they're they're gardening probably from a low base in terms of knowledge, but they have absolutely no fear around trying things. And I see so many of them who have, you know, and it's all, it's all basic. Okay. But they're, they're going out and they're taking their rose cuttings and they're taking their, their perennial cuttings. And they're, they're, they're as I said, they're not afraid to try it. And yeah. I think that's, you, you kind of mentioned or alluded to that earlier on in the, in the, in the chat. And, uh, it's definitely a big plus, you know, have a go anyway. And sure, look, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But these newer gardens do not seem to be afraid to try. And that's where I think there would be an appetite definitely for, for those type courses. So hopefully we'll see those and and, uh, and hopefully they, they get off the ground and the best to look with it. Um, I know, like, we, as I said, we could have talked, we could talk for a lot longer. Um, but as I said at the start, the the nursery you know relatively new in nursery terms uh you know two three years and it's it's great to see it up and running but maybe tell people i know online you're available and you know you're on instagram and so on so maybe tell people where they can find you where they can find your website and i know you're doing a lot of the plant fairs as well so maybe tell people about those yeah um so uh, well just uh quickly on on the timing of the nursery i it probably couldn't have been worse timing to start just before the pandemic kicked in you know a lot of this, the established nurseries would have done very well out of this, but but we we were kind of <laughs> not at that point at all, you know. And obviously, yeah, you weren't ready so, in terms of stock. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, um, it is just me, and I'm kind of tipping away along um, on my own, trying to kind of get it going. And it, it kind of, I'm funding it all myself. Um, so it, it's when the money comes available, we kind of get something else online. We've just yeah. got the kind of the, the website going, but we have to start adding our plants to it. Um, so that's uh, on www.forestmoonplants.ie, and so that's an Irish domain. And then on Instagram, we'd be quite a- active on Instagram. It's uh, forest underscore, underscore moon underscore plants um, on Instagram. And um, I'm on Facebook, but I don't really use it. Uh, it's getting more and more confusing, and there's too many balls in the air. So <laughs> I find them all confusing, if yeah, I'm honest about yeah. it. Uh, Instagram is about the easiest, I think. Um, it just, it yeah, everyone cool. talks to me about the updates. Did you see this week's update? To be honest with you, I ha- I've, been, I've been on all of them for a year, and I haven't noticed any updates. I just yeah, hit, well, uh, look, it's, ju- it's just more time, kind of, you know, like, I mean, like, with with this, like, you know, all your time should be spent kind of, 
there, there just there's just more things now that you have to do, and and in particular for us because like we plan mostly to be kind of based online. Uh, for yep. the future, you know, and uh, we we will be doing plant shows, and eventually when we move to the the new place, um, we will be open, but we'll only be open by arrangement, you know. The, and the, okay. the plan is is to have it like an old school nursery where we will have plants laid out in the garden style situation, and then we'll have a kind of a sales area. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Like I got a great picture of it in my mind, and um, so both that task struggle. But uh, yeah, yeah it, 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 we will be, like I said, kind of mostly online and uh, you'll be able to get our plants that way. And the, the intention is to spend a lot of time over the winter now um, updating the website and kind of definitely for, well, you'll be able to buy plants as well, I'd say, before, maybe before the end of the summer, even though the end of the summer is nearly here. Um, but uh, <laughs> definitely next year the, the website will be fully operational and you'll be able to buy the plants there. But for now we still have plant fairs and uh, there's still a few left. I, I think the, the one I'm probably focusing on most and getting ready for most will be the, the, the one towards the back end of the season, might even be the last one, which would be FOTA. And that's okay. a, yeah, rare, rare and special plant fair. So. Yeah, and I think FOTA, the, the first one this year in FOTA was supposed to be really well attended. So, really yeah. well attended, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We did, did well down there. Was, that was my best one this year, actually. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, a lot of really good gardeners down there in Cork. And Mount Congreve, are you doing Mount Congreve? I know that's yeah, at some Mount, stage. Mount Congreve is well. Mount Congreve isn't going ahead at the moment because um, there. Oh, is it not? There, no, there. Um, there's renovations work going on down there, but I, I'd, I'd assume they'd be back online for next year, and that's a good yeah. one as well. Yeah. That'll be a good one for you when the magnolias and the rhododendrons start to come on because there is... <laughs> it will, yeah. Uh, and of course, I have Galway here as well before the end of the season. So, you know, there, there's um, there's a good turnout always in Galway too. Um, yeah. That's uh, the that's one of the last shows of the year as well. as I, I think it might be just before photo. Maybe yeah. after. Well, sure. that'll be good anyway. And if people keep an eye on online, on Instagram and whatnot, they'll, they'll, they'll know whether you're going or not. You'll be announcing it on, on the on yeah. Instagram and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, Rory, it's been a great chat. We've, uh, yeah, as I say, we could have talked for a lot longer, but we're, we're, we're already 40 something minutes in. So, um, I know that you have uh, a sore back this week and you're probably looking to go recuperate a little bit. So, thank you very much for sharing your really in-depth knowledge on propagation and delighted to hear about the nursery looking forward to see what comes over the next couple of years with your with your plans for the nursery and also for your courses and so on and thank you very much for coming on master my garden podcast cheers john thanks for having me so that's been this week's episode yeah huge thanks to rory for coming on as as i said uh, really really skilled in propagation and if you if you check him out online he, you know he's very good at at uh, given his tips and showing how, what he's doing and so on so and keep an eye out for those for those courses because propagation and pruning are two that i've been asked to cover so many times on the podcast and i've covered propagation a little bit now but it's it's probably more of a visual thing and certainly pruning is the one that has been requested most but it's it's probably the most difficult one to cover in a podcast so if you keep an eye, an eye out on rory with those courses coming up uh, i think you'll you'll find those useful um, and yeah the basic one or the beginners one starting off and then leading on to the more advanced ones after that look they sound like it'll be a really interesting way of getting into propagation uh, in your own gardens so that's been this week's episode thanks for listening and until the next time 
Happy Gardening.